Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Guess what, Mango? It's not well. So I read this incredible story in a book called Shocked. In 1999, this 29-year-old woman goes skiing in Norway, and she has this awful accident. Oh, man, this doesn't sound good. And that's the end of the story. So, <laughs> okay, so it gets better. So she rolls down this massive slope into this frozen stream, and she's under the ice. Like completely under? Well, basically her skis save her from going fully in, but she is under. So uh-huh. when the ski patrol finds her, it seems hopeless. She has no pulse, no signs of life. She's insanely cold. Her body temperature is something like 57 degrees. What? <laughs> so at the hospital, she's declared dead. But for some reason, and it isn't clear why, but they hook her up to a bypass machine, which pumps her heart and her lungs. And a few hours later, her heart flutters, like it actually starts up again. Then in just over a week, she comes out of her coma and eventually makes this startling recovery. That's nuts. I know it's miraculous, right? (laughs) The press calls her Ice Woman. And while doctors and scientists get really excited about her story, there's one group that takes even more joy in her recovery. The cryonauts. (laughs) I love the cryonauts. (laughs) Yeah, that's the tiny subculture of people who've been laughed at for decades. You know, a group of people who believe that freezing your body for a few hundred years is going to be the key to living forever. And that's what we're exploring in today's Part-Time Genius. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Hotticketer. Hey, Mango. Hi. Today we're talking cryonics, this notion of freezing your body with the hope of thawing it out later so you can extend your life. So we'll be diving into the science of this bizarre field. We'll look into how many people have actually signed up for or already stored in cryonics facilities around the world and how movies usually get it wrong. But as always, we'll have our Part-Time Genius quiz with two listeners. Who do we have this week, Mango? We've got board game inventors, 
not only board game inventors, but these are like big time Hall legendary. These yeah. are awesome. I'm excited <laughs> to have them. So we'll talk to them in a bit. And I can't wait to uh, put another guy to the test, one of our favorite funny people, SNL writer Streeter Seidel. That's right. Who will test with another Frozen related quiz. Is that right? Uh-huh. Okay, good deal. And lots of fun stuff to get to. So let's dive in. Now, I've got to tell you, Mango, this whole cryonics thing makes zero sense to me. I mean, I can get behind it in fiction, but in the real world... Yeah, like, it makes for great TV and movies, Captain America or, like, a Dr. Evil scheme. But personally, I am so uninterested in putting my body on ice. And just to be clear, cryonics and this hope of living forever is separate from cryogenics, which is the study of cold temperatures and their effects on materials. But let's get back to this obsession with living forever. I have no interest in being 150 years old or however old the founders of Google and all these super rich billionaires want to be. Doesn't it make more sense just to try to extend your life in the present than try to freeze yourself for the future? How so? Well, first off, I I didn't realize this until we dug into the topic, but it's actually illegal to freeze yourself alive. Like, I always assumed these rich people who had cancer or whatever were freezing themselves before they passed away. Right. You know, so they could be defrosted when a cure comes around. But that's not the case. Everyone who's frozen in a cryogenics facility is dead. Like, dead, dead. Like, super dead? (laughs) Really dead. Or to use the term they use in the industry, de-animated. So all these dead people are actually waiting to be reanimated like zombies, which feels like a tall order. And in addition, they're hoping to be cured of whatever disease killed them. I mean, that's so optimistic. Well, I mean, even the weirder part in my mind is you either get your whole body frozen or you could go budget and just do your head. It's just (laughs) a really strange decision to have to make, which is what Ted Williams did. The theory is that the head is the only important part and the rest of your body is completely replaceable. And while that sounds ludicrous, what's weird is the science kind of backs this. I mean, the truth is head transplants have a surprisingly long history. Back in 1970, scientists at Case Western transplanted a rhesus monkey's head onto another monkey's body. This was almost 50 years ago. And while this Frankenstein monkey couldn't walk around or move from the neck down, mainly because the scientists didn't have the technology to connect the spinal cord to the brain, they did manage to get the blood flow between the neck and the head so it could smell and see and even taste. Yeah, the head retained all of those functions. The monkey only lived a few days, but remember, we're talking about 1970, and all of that science has improved dramatically since then. Like in Japan, they've grafted the head of a mouse onto another healthy mouse's body, which created this two-head monstrosity, but also showed (laughs) that the body could accept a new head. And we know scientists have severed the spinal cords of mice to make them paralyzed, then repaired their spines, allowing them to walk again which once you've mastered repairing a spine and grafting a head onto its body, well, human head transplants don't feel that far away. (laughs) That's unbelievable. You know what else is funny that I never thought about and sort of backs up your point is, let's say you're into cryonics and you go for the whole body option. (laughs) The facility will actually store you upside down in their tanks of chemicals. Like, you're hanging out bat style because they want to protect your head. That way, if the facility loses power and your body starts to get accidentally thawed, they want to make sure your noggin is the last bit affected. I kind of like that there's this option of the whole body versus just the head. (laughs) I I mean, it really does seem like a super stressful decision if you're going to invest in this. But your point about storing those bodies, if you're watching a science fiction movie and people are getting frozen stored upright – You can tell the writers haven't done their research. Yeah, I mean, in movies and shows, people are always stored upright, and that's completely bunk. But back to what you were saying about head transplants. Like, the science of cryonics is actually amazing. Whatever you think about the realisticness of thawing out all these rich people 200 years from now and giving them a second shot at life, 
which let me be clear, I do not believe will happen. The actual research that's come out is not only fascinating, but it's really important. And before we get to that, I want to finish this thought. And that's that the freezing part of cryonics feels like an outdated idea to me. Sure, I see that. I mean, the whole notion came up around the time of refrigeration and innovation of frozen foods, so it feels like a rich person solution for the 40s or 50s. Like, if we can reheat a bag of frozen peas, why can't we do that with humans? (laughs) Yeah, but today the question is, why freeze yourself versus just trying to extend your life? And this is a weird tangent, but my great-grandmother lived to be 103. Oh, wow. She was born in 1901, and that's two years before the Wright brothers took flight. And what she lived through is insane, like world wars, a moon landing, sliced bread. She was older than sliced bread. Impressive. (laughs) And she lived all the way through seven police academies and a couple of rush hours. Wow, even more. Yeah, so, you know, that's a really full life. But if she wanted to stay alive for an extra year because, I don't know, the new season of Sherlock was coming out or something more important, like her great-granddaughter was getting married, like, I understand this very human desire to want a one-year extension or two-year extension or life for something you've been waiting for. Sure. But the idea of dying then freezing yourself, then waiting 200 years in the hopes of a cure, and then essentially hoping to be turned into a zombie to live longer. I don't think you should be a spokesperson for the cryonic (laughs) society, by the way. I won't. And in addition to how creepy and unrealistic that all feels to me, I honestly don't think I could psychologically handle it. Yeah. Like, you know, um, Japanese tourists struggle with Paris syndrome, which is that psychological shock when a trip to Paris doesn't live up to your romantic expectations. (laughs) The Japanese embassy actually runs a 24-hour hotline to help citizens deal with it. If you think about it, that's the problem of, like, people from one modern culture visiting another modern culture. So imagine a person from the 1800s waking up today. Like, isn't all this change going to be too jarring? If you think about it, People don't acknowledge each other as they walk in parks and they mm-hmm. communicate through watches and everyone eats tacos with shells made of Doritos, which just feels too locos to right. comprehend. I am sad that your grandmother never got to experience the Doritos locos taco. So a cryonaut from 200 years ago would have died in 1817. And that's a lot of learning to have to do. Catching up with the technology, civil rights, women's rights, and so many other things. And I'm sure seeing all that change has to be thrilling, too. And I know you're not Mm pro-cryonics, but if anyone's going to change your mind about yourself, it's Ben Franklin, right? (laughs) So he put a twist on this. He said he didn't want to live forever, but if he could be suspended in a drunken state in a giant vat of Madeira, and if he got (laughs) to have a few friends come along with him for a ride, he'd be excited to wake up 100 years later and see how the country's progressed. Well, obviously, I'm not going to argue with Ben Franklin. I mean, his idea of getting drunk is really good and bringing friends – What he proposed was basically a hot tub time machine, colonial edition. I'd see that. (laughs) But uh, for someone like Franklin, he actually created a new country. So, of course, he's going to be curious. That's true. And this is just an aside, but can you imagine if he was frozen and then emerged in 2017? How pissed he'd be that he doesn't have a part in Hamilton? (laughs) (laughs) Like, he was in so many rooms where it happened. And he dropped zero bars in the musical. So Unfrozen Ben's not going to see Hamilton. The thing sold out for another five years, I think. At least. But on the other side, I'm sure he'd be thrilled by how our post office and fire departments work or that people still use his inventions. What, he invented bifocals and swim flippers uh-huh. and that whole grabber thing people use at grocery the stores. Yeah, the grab house. That's <laughs> that one is called, uh, the grabinator. But that's a different episode. So right now, let's get back on the Frozen track with a quiz. Okay, Mango, so who do we have on the line today? 
So today we've got two incredible board game inventors on the line. Uh, we've got Mary Jo Reuter from L.A. and Peggy Brown calling in from Milwaukee. Welcome, guys. Hi. <laughs> and it turns out you guys actually know each other because both of you were the winners of the toy industry's game inventor of the year, right? So you guys are even friends, I think. We are. Right. We are. Yep, we've worked on projects together. It's funny in the business of uh game inventors, we're all competitive. We're like um the Williams sisters. We're competitors, but we're also friends. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not we're not frenemies, we're from predators. Oh, I like that. From from predators. That's a good one. It's a pretty small pretty- universe. Being game inventors, I hear though, is not all easy. In fact, Peggy, I was seeing that that you're suffering from something that comes with being a game inventor. You mind telling us about that? It's an old affliction that was named Gamekeeper's Thumb because uh, Scottish pheasant hunters, I think it was, used to take their catch and strap it with a piece of leather over, um, wrap it around their thumb and then sling it over their shoulder and it would stretch out that ligament and break that ligament between their thumb and forefinger. So that's how it got the name Gamekeeper's Thumb. But um, I've basically rebranded it from cutting out jigsaw <laughs> puzzle pieces and game components and cards and everything over all these years. Oh, the sacrifices you've made for this. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, occupational hazard. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Jo, do you suffer from Gamekeeper's Thumb? I don't, and I'm not envious of that at all. I was reading about you, though, that you have a pretty strange collection of, is it ABC books from all over the world? It is, yeah. I I collect ABC books. I'm a graphic designer by original trade, and I've always loved fonts. And I was trying really hard to learn Danish. And I learned mostly that I'm not competent in foreign languages. But as I was practicing, I picked up an apple and I'm in the kitchen. I'm like, A is for apple. Wait a minute. No, it's not. It's that crazy A-E letter that I don't even know how to pronounce. So it just became a fun thing to do when I went to any country that I hadn't been to before is to find the ABC books. What's the weirdest uh, picture that kicks off an alphabet book? Yeah, I think the weirdest one I have is from Thailand, which has a lot of, I'm sure, not not authorized pictures of different people like Snoppy instead of Snoopy <laughs> from Charles <laughs> Schultz. Snoppy. And then I'm a big turns, fan of Snoppy. I, yeah, I love the, the ponuts. Then, yeah, exactly, the ponuts. All right, well, let's get started with our game today. Mango, what are we playing today? We're playing a game called The Ice Have It, where every answer includes the word ice. So if we said this is the product Ben and Jerry decided to make instead of bagels, you'd say ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream. Right, right, right. Well done. All right. Now, remember, you're playing for a big prize here. Whoever wins will get a handwritten note from us to your mom or your boss or somebody else important in your life to sing your praises. So uh, there's a lot at stake here. So, Mary Jo, you were the more prompt on the dial-in, so you get to go first. We're going to put 30 okay. seconds on the clock, and we're going to see how many you can answer. We've got six questions for you. Let's see if we can get through all, th- all six of them. You ready? Remember, I'll give, okay. you a, I'll give you a clue, and you have to tell me the answer. All right, let's go. Val Kilmer's nickname in Top Gun. Iceman? Got it. <laughs> one, half of an Arnold, really? one half of an Arnold Palmer. Ice tea, I love those. Phrase meaning on shaky ground. Thin ice. Rapper Robert Van Winkle's hit song from 1990. Ooh, I know that. Uh, <laughs> oh, ice, ice baby? Yes, a 1977 foreigner hit. Oh, we're over time. And we are over time. We'll see if she can answer oh. this one. Ice. 
Icy, freezy, goodness, happy. You're as cold as ice. Right. Ah, <laughs> willing to pay the price. Oh, it's probably a little bit hard when the other contestant's going, I know this one. I know this one. So. <laughs> I can't help it. I have a confession to make. I wrote 5,000 of these clues for a game called Buzzword. <laughs> <laughs> so how many did she get? How many did she get right, Megan? Mary Jo went four for six. All right. We're going to put 30 seconds on the clock again. Are you ready, Peggy? Now, I'm bet- ready. Help be- me out, MJ. Between each one, All Mary right. Jo, you make make sure you say, I know it. Okay? All right, yeah, here we go. That's, that's how I'm going to help. Yep. <laughs> All right, here we go. The star of the movie Friday. I know it. Movie Friday? I don't know it. All right. Solid form of carbon dioxide. Ice. The name for the 1980 U.S. hockey game against the USSR. Oh, uh, I do know that one. I don't know, like glory on ice or something like that. Miracle on ice. You got it. Miracle, Miracle on ice. Right. We're going to give that to you. Teamwork. You can oh, dry that. ice was the other one. Now. Uh-huh. <laughs> a cheap beer we drank oh. a lot of in college made by Miller Brewing. Ice house. Well done. One more. 2002 animated movie starring a saber-toothed squirrel named Scrat. Ice age. Well done. Let's do this last one together. A reality TV show on the History Channel involving drivers who operate giant vehicles across frozen rivers and lakes in remote Arctic territories. Ice road truck. Wow. Who was that? Was that, was that Peggy? Peggy. All right. So we'll give, uh, Peggy five for six and Mary Jo four for six. So Peggy. (laughs) 4.5. 4.5. That's right. So Peggy, (laughs) you're going to get a letter to your mom or a friend or a boss in the mail shortly. And because we don't want anyone's mailbox to feel lonely, Mary Jo, you can wipe that sour expression off your face and replace it with a different sour expression because we're going to send you a package of Bob's frozen pickles, the only frozen pickle (laughs) pops on the market. So. Such a great prize. Yay, I think I <laughs> We're all winners here today. Thank you guys so much. Good luck to both of you. Um, and Thank can't you wait too. to see your next inventions. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So one of the strangest parts about cryonics is that it occurs in nature all the time. Yeah, that's right. There are a few animals that can freeze and survive. Ice worms do it, painted turtles, certain scorpions. But the American wood frog is kind of the all-star, and that's the one that gets talked about. Hmm. Unlike other animals that hibernate by slowing their metabolism down, the wood frog actually freezes to a halt. It'll stop breathing. Its heart stops. Oh, wow. Like, you could actually pick one up and break off a little legsicle. A legsicle. <laughs> I know. It's Let's that frozen. That. Okay. <laughs> and in places like Alaska, it'll stay in the state for seven months. Then it'll just wake up and hop off like no big deal. Right. So scientists were trying to figure out the trick because freezing is really hard on cells. Human cells contain water, almost 80%. And when that water solidifies into ice, it presses down and squeezes the cells and causes the cellular death for various reasons. It can poke holes or harm the membrane or whatever, and we just aren't made for freezing. But the American wood frog is totally different. It basically pumps itself full of glucose and creates its own antifreeze. Well, which is essentially how cryonauts are stored, Mm -hmm, right? That's right. After they pass away, their bodies are cooled, and they're put on a machine to keep circulating their blood until it can be replaced with an antifreeze. Mm -hmm. And then the bodies are packed in sleeping bags with ice and stored (laughs) in chambers and incredibly low temperatures. So different facilities have very different processes. But what I'm kind of fascinated by is that, like the wood frog, there's been at least one instance of reported human hibernation. (laughs) So in the book Shock, David Cassaret tells this great story about this 35-year-old Japanese man who went to this company picnic in a mountainous area. And he gets a little tipsy at the picnic, decides to walk home. And so you can imagine what happens next. He slips and breaks his pelvis. (laughs) I did not imagine that. I knew you saw that one coming. (laughs) And this is where the story gets really strange. Uh He's there for 24 days before some hikers find him, just exposed to the elements without food or water. Uh And his temperature has dropped to 71 degrees. But his heart was still beating slowly and he was breathing. And like the story we told at the beginning, he made a full recovery. Now, there's some speculation about what actually happened during those 24 days, and no one really knows, but it brings up this idea of what could happen if you put an injury victim in a suspended state by lowering their body temperature. Right, and though it sounds so incredibly far-fetched, the benefits, like being able to cool a gunshot victim to keep their body in stasis until they can get worked on, that could change the way we do medicine. Yeah. Like, it could help soldiers in the battlefield or give a surgeon more time to conduct a heart transplant. I know you were telling me this, too, but about that study on dogs that showed if the animals were cooled to a body temperature of 77 degrees, that they can actually survive circulatory arrest for 15 minutes and still be revived. Oh, wow. Like, previously, the most an animal could survive without a heartbeat was three minutes. Yeah, that could make a huge, huge difference in the survival rate. So, But also, there, there are all these practical applications that have come out of cryonics and mm-hmm. getting a better understanding of how to freeze and revive cells without freezer burn or cellular damage we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, scientists have been able to freeze a rabbit's kidney, then thawed and implanted into a rabbit successfully. And that technology in itself would be a huge boon to humans. I read a figure that 12 people die every day waiting for a kidney transplant. And in 2014, even though there were 17,000 kidney transplants in the U.S., there were five times as many people on the waiting list. 
But the major reason isn't that we don't have enough kidneys. It's that kidneys can only be kept alive for 30 hours outside a body to still be viable. Hmm. And this totally upends that. Yeah, like supposedly half of the donated hearts and lungs are thrown out each year because they don't make it to the patients in time. So that could all change. But all these things like eggs and sperm and even kidneys are all relatively simple cell structures to keep on ice. And while we know human bodies are way more complicated, it's not entirely convincing that cryonics institutes have the answers. Yet, at least. So our guest today is an incredibly funny guy. Got his start in the comedy world as the front page editor of College Humor, where he went on to become one of the stars of their online skits. Now, Mango and I were lucky enough to get to know him as a huge history buff, which is part of why we wanted to have him on today. But in recent years, he spent most of his time as a writer for Saturday Night Live, writing some of the most popular sketches of the past couple of years. So Streeter Seidel, welcome to Part-Time Genius. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you. Actually, I was curious to uh, to hear how you ended up on SNL. You know, we hear about the stressful auditions that aspiring cast members have to go through to get on the show, but how does it work for writers? Well, it's certainly not as um, terrifying, I guess, as the cast. <laughs> you don't have to, like, stand there and read your sketches you've written in front of a quiet room right. uh, with just your bosses, but... The way it's done is like a packet. You write a packet, which is, you know, maybe five sketches, and then you send it in. And normally, you just, uh, that's the last you hear of it. Wow. Um, but every now and then, if you're lucky, like I was, you uh, get a response that says, hey, come in and meet some people. <laughs> and then I got called back to talk um, with Lauren which was a terrifying experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to hear a bit about that. Like, you know, when you're actually there in the hallways, like how has it been different like from your expectations going in? I mean, it's it really is as cool as I thought it would be. You know, <laughs> my awesome. whole life I've been such a fan of the show and I've had friends work there and stuff. So I'd, I'd gone to the show a couple times and kind of gotten a glimpse of it mm -hmm. and just thought like, oh my God, this is so great. I wish I was a part of this. Mm -hmm. um, and it really, I mean, the, the office is like, I think they're redoing it soon, but like, as of this recording, it's pretty like dingy and beat up, and I like it like that. <laughs> I, I feel like you like feel the history in the place, just the amount of hours and pain that people have put into making this silly thing. I know it's got to have been a weird year, obviously, with huge ratings, you know, some of the highest ratings in years for SNL. Much of that, I'm sure, can be um, attributed to the, the Donald Trump bump, I think, and, and the popularity of all sure. the hysterical sketches that are there. But uh, it's been fun to see you breaking through with a few sketches that have absolutely nothing to do with what's going on in politics, unless there was some sort of hidden message in the David S. Pumpkins sketch, which I... Uh, no, I don't, I don't I did, think there was. I did see somebody. Someone was like, "Don't you get it, everyone? It's a, it's a metaphor for Trump, <laughs> the, the big orange guy who scares everyone, who everyone thinks is a joke, and then he scares people." And I was like, "Oh boy, you've yeah. given uh, you've given us too much credit." Okay, well, we can't let you go without putting you to the test. We uh, Today's episode is about cryonics, so we thought we'd do a little true or false game about things that are frozen. Now, if you've seen the movie Frozen, 
that won't help. So uh, that, that wouldn't <laughs> matter. So good. Sorry, I just read a book about Clarence Birdseye. So I know a little bit about Frozen. Yeah. <laughs> just the fact that there was actually a dude named Birdseye, right? Yeah, yeah. Real deal. <laughs> okay, so here we go. We got four questions for you. Let's see how you do. And they're all true and false. True or false. Are you ready? Gotcha. Okay. I'm ready. Question one. A frozen pizza brand in Norway is so popular that when it released a jingle in 2007, it raced up the charts to number one and was played in nightclubs and discos for weeks. True or false? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll go true. Yeah, right. you're right. The story's too fun for it not to be true. I know. The the Grandiosa pizza brand is beloved in the country, and multiple jingles have actually hit number one. As a New Yorker, I just can't I can't <laughs> imagine a frozen Norwegian pizza brand being like being that amazing, but well, who knows? All right, second question. An antifreeze gene from the Arctic flounder has been inserted into strawberries to make them more resistant to cold weather. True or false? I guess I'll go false. Oh, this one's actually true. Of course it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Even though there are rumors that the strawberries taste fishy on the internet, that's actually not true. They just taste like strawberries. That's good. That's good that strawberries <laughs> taste like strawberries. So, All right. He's one out of two. Question number three. While the first frozen TV dinner was a Swanson's Thanksgiving feast made with leftover turkey and cranberry sauce, Few people know their second attempt, goulash with green beans. True or false? Oh, man, I think that might be true. Oh, it's false. actually false. I want no? it to be true. I want it to be true, but there it's was actually like, false. <laughs> there was a part of the bird's eye book that had, like, <laughs> talked about what Swanson, like, their old meals <laughs> they used to do. And yeah. there were definitely some weird ones in there. <laughs> yeah. The, the chapter on goulash really like, got you. <laughs> yeah. I almost feel like he knew the quiz we were going to ask. He was like, I better read up about frozen dinners. I'm going to read about <laughs> Mr. Bird's I Eye I wish here. I had, like, a better yeah, – I wish that was true. Then <laughs> I was like, oh, this looks interesting. <laughs> All right. Mango threw in this last one. This is some hardcore history stuff here, so we'll see. So – in 1795, French cavalry charged across the frozen bay at Den Helder to capture 14 Dutch ships. It's the only time a naval fleet has been defeated by a cavalry. True or false? I mean, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm gonna guess, I guess I'm gonna say true. Yeah, you're right. True. You knew yeah. it. It's crazy. <laughs> the Battle of Texel was part of the War of the First Coalition between France and the Dutch. So there you one go. Of the, one of the big wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Find a book on that. So, all right. Well, thanks so much, Streeter. You scored two out of four, which means you've won our endless admiration. Now, you guys can find Streeter on tour this summer or watch his skits on SNL or find him online at StreeterSidel.com whenever you get a chance. Thanks so much, Streeter. Thanks for having me. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Let's get back to freezing yourself for the future and whether it's worth putting stock into. So what do you think, Mango? Is it really that crazy of an idea? <laughs> so one person that changed my mind in how I was framing this is Marvin Minsky. You know, the MIT scientist who helped develop artificial intelligence? Oh, Marvin Minsky. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the Minsker. I was reading this 2010 New Yorker story by Jill Lepore. And when she realizes that Minsky intends to freeze himself, she writes and asks him why. And he sends back these two logic charts. <laughs> and one is about God, right? And it shows, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but if you spend your life praying and going to church and it turns out there is no God, that's not this big loss. So you wasted a little time praying. Right. But on the other hand, if there does happen to be a God, major upside. Yeah, big right? upside. <laughs> yeah, you get to live forever. It's this minimal investment with a pretty big potential return. Mm-hmm. And that basically is Pascal's wager. You know, Pascal, the famous mathematician mm-hmm. and philosopher and his argument was essentially that if you're a moral person, there's very little downside to believing in God. It's like a low-cost insurance policy with a pretty big payoff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and so that's a pretty common belief. But in addition to that chart, Minsky attached a second chart with cryonics on it. And it basically said the same thing. Like, if you invest in cryonics and it doesn't pan out, no big loss. But if it works, you get to live forever. And basically, he viewed a belief in cryonics to be as rational or as irrational as believing in God. And for him, it was kind of a fun side bet. Like, wouldn't it be delightful if this worked? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can see that. So let's say someone buys in. How does this work then? I mean, I know in the first iterations, people stuck their relatives with the bill. <laughs> so the families and future generations of the first cryonauts were forced to keep paying these monthly installments to keep the freezer on. How terrible is this? <laughs> I mean, it feels like the world's biggest guilt trip. Uh-huh. And the family didn't make the payments, or if they didn't make the payments, this actually happened to quite a few people. Their frozen relative was kicked out of the facilities and just thawed and buried. <laughs> I know. It's so depressing. But the plans have evolved a little since then. So First off, there's this scheme where people use their life insurance policies to pay for the freezing. Okay. And the big companies have all figured this out for you. And now, of course, there are all these 
competing cryonics companies all over the world. Like Russia has CryoRus, for instance, and in the U.S. there's the Cryonics Institute in Michigan, which was founded by Robert Edinger, the godfather of cryonics. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the budget option, actually. You pay around $30,000 to get stored there, which is certainly more affordable. Or you could pay 200000 at a place like... Alcor, which is the shiny rival and where Minsky actually sent his body. And Ted Williams, too. Mm -hmm. Though, can we talk for just a second about how odd it is that there's so much controversy surrounding the two most Mm -hmm. famous people who were supposedly frozen? Whenever you hear someone talk about cryonics, they bring up Walt Disney. It's always Walt Disney. Well, he was not buried. He was cremated. I know. The origin of that myth is crazy, too. Basically, the president of the Cryonics Society in California came out with a statement after Walt Disney passed away that it was a real shame that Disney was cremated instead of being frozen because Disney had been interested in the idea. And had he been frozen, it would have been great for the science of cryonics. But instead, people just heard what they wanted and ran with the rumor. Like the myth became so popular that Disney's grandkids heard it at school and <laughs> they believed it. And his daughter, you know, their mom, was so outraged, she released this press release to confirm Disney's cremation. <laughs> and then there's Ted Williams, whose head resides at Alcor. <laughs> And he might not even have wanted it to be frozen. That's kind of a bummer, you know? It's like your head is just sitting somewhere and you didn't really want that to be the case. But apparently in his will, he asked to be cremated and his daughter showed the will as proof. And then William's son came with a scrap of paper from a trunk that was signed with him as witness that said Williams actually made a last-minute decision that he wanted to be preserved. That's so suspect. <laughs> and Alcor and Ted's son moved faster than the daughter did, but the whole thing is shrouded in controversy. And he's probably the most famous frozen person. Or frozen head, right? That's right. <laughs> well, the family aspect and legal aspects can be messy, for sure. And today, lots of people who want to be preserved will wear these thumb drives around their necks with precise instructions on how to take care of their dead bodies. But the most interesting thing to me is that there are actually new facilities being built. Like, there's this place called Timeship in Comfort, Texas, which is intended to hold 50,000 bodies. Oh, wow. And the thought and planning that's gone into this is remarkable. Like, New Scientist did a cover story on it, and the whole idea was to create a facility that works with minimal human interaction. So the architects started scouting and laying out plans way back in 1997. And they actually looked at it from this international perspective. They were looking for a place that they had thought would be still politically stable like a 100 years from now. They looked at Australia and Russia and a few places, and they ended up in Texas. And then they looked for places that wouldn't be affected by climate change. So they picked a precise place and and where there weren't going to be natural disasters or nuclear threats. And then they looked for ways that this facility could run without power from its main source for a number of months. I've really thought this through. I know. The facility actually has wind turbines on it. I mean, it's so thoughtful. And beyond that, they've actually made space to store other genetic information there, like stem cells and embryos and DNA starter kits. Plus, it's got a butterfly farm. Yeah, sure. So pretty architecture and butterflies, I would imagine, would get people to sign on the dotted line. They're nice perks, but 50,000 clients feels ambitious to me. Especially when you consider the actual numbers. Like I remember in that New Yorker piece that Edinger, the father of cryonics, had a really tough time getting any clients at first. The first person he froze, his mom. (laughs) His first and second wife were both clients. But he was so irritated that his dad and uncle wouldn't buy in. And it sounded like there were only 30 or 40 bodies in this facility. I know. And geez, if the only people who wake up with you after 200 years are your mom and your two wives, (laughs) it really feels like this missed opportunity that you didn't freeze a therapist as well. I'd say. But 
The numbers of actually frozen people seem pretty small. From a 2013 piece, it sounded like Alcor had 150 people or so on ice and about a 1,000 people signed up. And you can freeze your pets as well, so you could have your dog or your ferret saved for later. <laughs> but again, part of the hard part might be that the science of life extension is catching up with cryonics. I'd really be curious to know how much it costs to, uh, to freeze a pet. A hamster. <laughs> There's this fairly new treatment that's been conducted on mice where scientists have figured out how to flush the aged and stressed cells out of their systems using this thing that started out as an anti-cancer drug. It's called AP20187. But the treatment is miraculous. Scientists have realized that in flushing out the old cells, not only do the mice have increased stamina and organ function, but these balding, patchy-looking mice regrow (laughs) their hair too. It's crazy. The creatures live 35% longer. That's not just more life, but good quality life. Which gets into so many ethical questions, right? There's the whole who gets to live longer aspect and what happens when we're all competing for limited resources. Those are huge questions. Even Edinger, who was pretty Pollyanna about all of this, acknowledged that there'd be problems. And his solution was that maybe humans could live in shifts where one group would enjoy Earth for a few years and hibernate and then another group would unthaw and take over. Which, Give me a break. I know. I mean, we as a species can't even share resources like water and food. And the idea that we'd be kumbaya enough to like tag in and tag out of a freezer seems so unlikely. I'd say of everything we've discussed in this episode, getting people to take turns might actually be <laughs> the biggest stretch. But speaking of taking turns, it's your and my favorite part of the show, the part-time genius factor. Uh-huh. That's the part of the show where we sneak in all the weird and funny trivia we couldn't cover. But before we get to that, you know, one thing we haven't done is hand out a part-time genius award. Who do you think the prize should go to today? I know in an episode on cryonics, we should probably give this to the person who discovered dry ice or the scientists who are grafting the heads of one thing onto another thing. Right. But honestly, all this talk of ice made me crave something cold. So I want to give it to Frank Epperson. Ah. Yeah, he's the guy who at 11 years old left a cup of flavored water with a stick in it out on his porch overnight and accidentally invented the popsicle. The popsicle, <laughs> that's right. Okay, I'm down for that. Mr. Epperson, your family will be hearing from us, which sounds like a threat, but is in fact a very great honor. But back to the fact off. I'm going to kick this off with a little fact about worm memories. <laughs> well, first off, the headline in the story got me excited because I was like, worms have memories. So it wasn't exactly that, but apparently one of the biggest concerns people have about being frozen and then reanimated is whether humans will keep their memories as they get warmed up. Like, is Robert Edinger really going to remember his two wives and his mom once he gets thawed? <laughs> it's a lot of birthdays and anniversaries and all that to keep straight. And the answer that came from this worm study is probably. <laughs> Scientists in Arizona took ice worms, trained them to react to new scents, and then froze them. And then when they thawed them, the worms retained their training, which is pretty encouraging. I love that you can train worms. So I was researching how wealthy cryonauts deal with wills, right? And I stumbled into this amazing story of Daisy Singer Alexander, the heir to the Singer sewing machine fortune. Like, she's so rich and so nutty that one of her, like, big hobbies was dropping bottles with messages in them into bodies of water. That's quite the hobby. I know. And so uh, that's actually how she dealt with her will. And in 1937, she penned a note that said, quote, to avoid all confusion, I leave my entire fortune to the lucky person who finds this bottle. No way. I know. And then in 1949, this dishwasher named Jack Rum was on a walk when he found the bottle. And the executor's honored it. Like, Rum received this $8 million inheritance. $8 million? I know, all because he loved long walks on the beach. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
That's really tough to beat. All right. Well, here's a little fact about Tchaikovsky that I love. All this talk of decapitated heads being stored in freezers for hundreds of years made me remember (laughs) that Tchaikovsky had a whole bunch of irrational fears. And one of them was that his head might roll off at any (laughs) moment. So often when he was conducting an orchestra, he'd conduct with a baton in one hand and keep his arm wrapped around the top of his head so the other hand could hold his head in place. (laughs) That's crazy. So this one's this one's creepy. Henry Ford's hero was Thomas Edison. And that's not the creepy part. No, it's not but that creepy. But Ford had some strange beliefs, including that your last breath of air contained your spirit. Whoa. So when Edison was dying, Ford actually convinced Edison's son to capture his death breath in a test tube for him, oh. just in case he could use it to reanimate Thomas Edison in the future. You can actually see it in the Ford Museum. Okay, yeah, so that, that, that's pretty weird, but I've got a good one. Alright, so the day after comedian Jack Benny passed away, his wife had a single stem rose delivered to her. Then the next day, another. And she thought it was in poor taste. I mean, who was sending a recent widow flowers every day? So she called up the florist who told her Benny had it written into his will that a perfect single rose should be sent to her every day for the rest of her life. No way. Pretty sweet, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's really romantic. I mean, unless daisies were her favorite flower. (laughs) So I thought I had you with that Singer sewing machine story, but in the end, I think love always wins. I agree. So (laughs) that's it for today's show. I'm Mango. And I'm Will. And thanks for listening to Part-Time Genius. Thanks again for listening to Part-Time Genius. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And because we're a brand new show, if you're feeling extra generous, we'd love it if you'd give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Part-Time Genius is produced by some of our favorite geniuses. It's edited by Tristan McNeil, theme song and audio mixing by Noel Brown. Our executive producer is Jerry Rowland. Our research team is Gabe Luzier, Lucas Adams, Autumn whitefield Madrano, Austin Thompson, and Meg Robbins. Jason Hoke is our chief cheerleader. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. 
It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com.